If there is anything that's going to get Rachel Ranty Pants going, it is going to be when I go to talk about email. Because so often when I am talking to a prospective client, to a current client, or reminding my coaching clients on an ongoing basis to make sure that we prioritize the right things in our marketing, it's going to be about email. What is it about email that makes us just let this part go in our marketing when it is the one thing that is with the community of people who trust us the most, like us the most, and have chosen us? Is it that we just think it's weird they like us? In this episode, I'm going to help you turn around your mindset around email marketing and I'm also going to talk to you about the posts that you could do or the emails you could do to help re-engage your audience without being overly salesy. Let's break ourselves out of this idea that emails are all about noise in our inbox and stuff people don't want to hear. My name is Rachel Claver and I'm a content marketing coach and I am here on Confident Content, your podcast to help you become more confident in your content marketing and show you how. This is a podcast that is all about your needs and today it's all about marketing. So if you have a mindset block about marketing, I want you to keep listening. I don't want you to turn off and go, I'm not going to listen to this one because I'm going to feel uncomfortable. Let's sit in our uncomfortable feelings and turn this around. I promise you, it's going to help your business. And if there's one thing that I want to do is help your business and help your business grow. So let's get started. Let's talk a little bit about mindset around marketing. One of the things I'll often say to people is that you don't have to personally love email to send emails. Now, my husband, Rod, who works with me in my business, he is an email marketing whiz. He's a marketing automation whiz. You don't put him near the content. I'm the content person. But you do put him around all the email marketing automation, the strategy side, all that side. He's a CRM and marketing automation, balls person. That's what he does as part of our business. And I apologize for the use of balls. Sometimes things just get away with me. Right. So, but one thing I'll tell you about him is he does not like getting emails. Does that let him, does that stop him from doing his job? No. And when he says he doesn't like getting his emails, if he gets one from one of his golf things or one of his fishing things, he's opening those babies up. Most people who tell me they hate email, I can find at least one email that they open almost religiously every week, every day, at least once a week out of all the emails they're getting and they love it. We don't like email because we say we have too many of them and we get overwhelmed and we have this fear that we are just going to add to the noise on the internet if we just put some more out there. So let's just talk about this a little bit. The first thing is, why do you decide for yourself that your content is going to be so absolutely crappy that your content is going to be adding to the noise? Why don't you back yourself a bit? Why don't you trust that people who signed up to your content might actually want to hear from you? Wouldn't you like to start assuming that people who've worked with you in the past might want to hear from you? People who have seen you or downloaded something might want to hear from you. People who've engaged with you on the internet somewhere may want to hear from you. People who've been to your website and filled out that little, I have a newsletter, even though I'm never going to email you, but I'm going to ask you to sign up to my newsletter, little form, 
may actually want to hear from you. I know. It's kind of crazy, right? But this is the thing. They want to hear from you. And if they don't want to hear from you, they can do something that you can also do to any email in your inbox. You can unsubscribe from it. And so can they. It's kind of crazy. I feel like part of the problem is, I wrote a book on dating once, and one of the things that I was really fascinated about was this whole option that you could have. So you could look for serious relationships and stuff like that. And there was one called keeping options open. And I often think that the reason that a lot of us don't want to email our list is we're secretly terrified that we are their keeping options open person, That and we will be for some people. But also, we want that email list as our keeping options open list. It's in our back pocket in case things get really dire, like um, the pandemic. I noticed a lot of people emailing during the pandemic because we couldn't do anything else and we were in panic. If we had kept that up for those of us that started it, those of us that did keep it up have not seen a drop, a dramatic drop in our turnover and our business growth or anything like that. Those people who stopped they have seen a drop because our email list is that community that can be relied on to be most likely to buy from us. And even if they don't, they're inching closer all the time. They're opening our emails. They're reading our emails. They want to hear from us. Why have you decided that your people that chose to give you their email don't want to hear from you? How rude are we being by making that decision? I want to shift this for you. Please start emailing your email list. In fact, I make it the highest priority action when I'm working with my content marketing people. The first thing they have to do, they are not even allowed to create posts until they've got their email sorted because those people are the most important people. If they're not looking after those people, they don't have a right to go and get more people in their audience because those people have already shown investment in them. So they need to show investment in their audience by emailing them. It is a considerate, careful, loving, thoughtful thing to do to email our list. Okay. Right, so that's the first thing. Told you I was going to be Rachel McRanty Pants today. Number two, how often should we email a list? As much as you bloody well want to. Do not think that monthly is enough. It's not. Even if occasionally I'll say to a client, okay, we can do monthly. And normally they've got a very dry, very specific business and they're targeting CEOs of major companies. And for some of those people, yeah, it's probably appropriate. But we don't want to be doing that monthly for most of us. If, if you are posting like three times a week and you're monthly emailing, you have got things skewed. Like your email list is more important than those posts. So we want to be doing at least weekly emails. Now, if you're freaking out about that, remember, I said you have to do three posts a week on your social media minimum. So one email is fine because what you're thinking an email is, and we'll talk about this soon, is often way too long. And that's why you're freaking out about it. We want to keep these emails short and simple and with one call to action or one actionable task you want them to take. So quite often I'll talk to someone, I was working with someone recently and she was like, look, I'm doing these emails. I'm not getting a lot of results from them. I'm not too sure what's going on. 
And one of the things I immediately said is, look, your emails are so long. They've got about eight different things that I can do in them. I am so distracted. I need one call to action. This email you sent, you could literally split that into three, four, or even eight um, emails, and it would be much better, and you could have a higher frequency, and people wouldn't get annoyed, and they're simpler, and they're easy to manage. So I have quite long wording emails. If you're on my email list, you know that they can be quite wordy, but I try to only have one call to action on them if I've got a call to action, because that's the key. It doesn't matter if you are a chatty McChat pants like me, Rachel Ranty McMant. What? Rachel Ranty pants, chatty McChat pants. I have so many pairs of pants right now. It's crazy. Uh, but if you, it doesn't matter if you're that person, but you do need to make sure that you only have one core call to action. It becomes very confusing if you have lots of them. And, and the, I am talking mainly to service-based businesses, but it's the same with a uh, e-commerce business or a retail business if you have too many call to actions too many things for them to do it becomes really hard for them to do it it'd be better to have one or two call to actions for products for example and then move into something else or a segment or a skew all right so so when we're talking about it we want to make sure that we have more frequency so one of the things I'll often say to people when they say oh you know but if I have if I email people too many times, they're going to get, um, they're going to unsubscribe, they're going to get annoyed. When I went from one email a week to two emails a week, which I do most of the time, and sometimes I even do three, uh, when I do two emails a week, I had about three people who unsubscribed who told me that my emails were too frequent now. And I, and I understand that that would be so. I also had some people who said, can I choose just to get one of these? And that was also fine. I showed them how to do that. Uh, but... My email open rate went up from 30%, which is higher than industry average. Once you hit around over 2K, 2.5K of email list and you're getting over 25% open rates, that's great. Now, if you're getting higher than that, but you have only 1,000 or 2,000 people, that's actually really normal. That doesn't necessarily mean your content's better. It's just that the smaller the group, the better the email deliverability is. And so when someone says to you, oh, I have a 60% open rate, I want you to ask how many people are on the email list because it's very unlikely uh, that they're going to have that if they've got like 10,000 on their list. Um, and so if a marketing strategist is saying that to you um, and they're saying in a post and saying, this is how amazing I am, just be wary of it. Um, normally it's a sign. So, you know, you can have, I know people who've got 80% open rate, but they only have 300 people on their list. And the bigger your list is, the lower the open rate is going to be. So if you've got 10,000 and you're sending out to all 10,000 at once, it's probably going to be around the 25%, 25 to 30%. But what I wanted to say was since I increased my email list, um, my email frequency to twice a week, my open rate has gone up from 20, uh, sort of like high 25s, um, like around the 28, 30% to an average of 38 to 40%. I'm getting a higher open rate doing twice a week than I was with once a week. The content has improved. So that's part of it. But I want to tell you that because people often think if I email more, I'm going to do a bad job. You're not. Now, we're going to have... Uh, we're going to have other podcasts in the future about segmentation and how to segment and I can go through with you how I segment. I do have three core segments that I send out every week. Plus I have lots of other emails that go out in automation all the time that are going out to very small audiences. 
And segmentation is a really cool part of increasing your open rate, increasing engagement, really talking to people. It's part of marketing automation. I'm not talking about that today. I'm just talking about newsletters um, or just your weekly, you know, generic thing that you're sending out or fortnightly if you have to. I'm not a fan of the fortnightly. The reason I'm not a fan of fortnightly is that if you look at that 30%, 25 to 30%, that isn't the same 25 to 30% every time. There will be a portion that is the same every time. So there might be like 15 to 20% that are diehard fans that are going to read everything. But just literally how it goes, people don't always read every single email. And often I'll find someone might read an email, really like it, and then you can see in the automation platform that they then go back and read like 10 at once at the back. Like, oh, I'm just going to read this one. Oh, I really enjoyed that. I'm going to read this one. So they're not always reading them at the same time. And so those open rates may even change across the time as well. But what we want to see is that over a month, for example, almost everyone has opened one email. So if you're doing one a week and it's a 25% open rate, you're more likely to get that high level of people opening one per month. If you're doing it fortnightly, that's two months that they're doing that. And that could cost you sales, that can cost you engagement, that can cost you building a community time. So I'm a big advocate of the once a week. I think people that proclaim once a fortnight or once a month don't understand the importance of email in the customer journey. I think that they see it as more of a newsletter and a kind of like a push out as opposed to a community-based thing. I am truly a big believer in that our community on our emails is the place, emails is where we built community. Emails, a little bit of stories, there's a few other bits and places that we can do that, but email is the key to building a really robust community. And we want these people to be activated, getting used to emailing us, relaxed about emailing us, wanting to have conversations with us. I get so many responses every week from my emails and they are not all sales calls. They are, you know, there's a, there's a small amount of sales. Sometimes the sales pop out, not from that email, but maybe a few days later, but they are active people. I absolutely, if you're on my email list, I need to tell you, one, I adore writing emails for you every week. I do write them in batches, so I do write sometimes three or four at a time. I just today or yesterday I wrote an email for next week and today I wrote an email for the following week. So I do often write emails in advance because when I'm really passionate about a topic, the first thing I do is I go and write an email to you. I then might post about it or I post a glimmer of that, but you get my best work because you deserve my best work because you're on my email list. And sometimes I will hold back saying something publicly or in a social media context because you deserve my best work. Because you love me enough to be on my email list. And I'm so thankful for you. I'm also really thankful for those of you that email me back. Um, I got an email today that was really beautiful from someone who'd been to one of my courses and said that she has just grown so much by using my free content and people always apologize for that but that is what the content is for if you're listening to this podcast and this is changing your life and changing your business and it helps you grow why would I feel bad about that you know like you don't have to give me money for me to feel good I'm excited if you grow so it's so powerful for me like it is such an important part of of my life in terms of my marketing, my business, that email side. 
I want you to be able to grow back. I want you to be able to talk back. And I'm, I really love it. I really see that we need to really respect the commitment that someone has when they give us an email. You know, I used to always say, for a start, you know, if someone hasn't paid you with an email, what mean what makes you think they'll ever pay you with money? And there is an element of truth there. But there's also the reminder that an email is not a contract. Just because someone has emailed you doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to pay you at any point. And so there's this whole thing around building a relationship and allowing them to come to us in our little sticky web to come to us when it's right, but also realizing that some people may just always be there to listen. And there'll be all sorts of people there. I have competitors. I have other people in my industry. And if someone who doesn't like me is on my email list, well, then it sucks to be them because they've got to read my stuff every week and I don't care about that. And if people unsubscribe, sure, I am like everyone else. I get upset sometimes if someone unsubscribes that I know that I like. But at the same token, I know that my content is created for those people that care about me and like me and want to hear from me. And we all have a right to unsubscribe to things that don't fit that. It's all okay. All right. So that's around the emails. I want you to really turn your marketing on its head and think, am I actually loving the people that have shown me the most love and care and buy-in? And if I'm not, how about I start doing that? Uh, we can talk about email platforms at some stage or anything like that. One thing I'd say is if you're going on to a new email platform, then always make sure that you break your email list into smaller groups so you can send it out. I would also say if you've got a tiny list, start with that. I think it's really important to show investment to that list. You can encourage them to share little bits and pieces from it or those sort of things. But it is a really important thing. I think the drive for us to grow and think, oh, we could just reach thousands with a reel on Instagram, sometimes pushes us away from looking after that 300 faithful, for example. Now, if you have no email list, there will be a podcast coming up around lead magnets, lead generation, and how to build that list. Um, and there are other ways, obviously, that you can use um, email to do this with building a list. You could start an email list on Substack and do like a blogging and we can we've got a session coming up on that around how to do Substack and why I've done it and why I'm thinking about long-term benefits of it and, and all those sort of things but I want to talk about what happens if from this podcast you go you know what I need to start emailing again and I'm going to do it how you do that because I see one massive mistake that happens all the time in fact one of my clients got wrapped over the knuckles for this because I I talk about this quite a lot in my podcast and it, it really, it really just grinds my gears. All right. So the first thing is you can't send an email to someone with the assumption that they don't want to hear from you. I get quite a lot of my clients when they start emailing will say things like, oh, I hope you don't mind hearing from me or I'm sorry, it's me again or hey, uh, you know, oops, it's me again. And there's this apologetic thing. I want you to email with the tone of, I am sending this to someone who's going to be so freaking excited to hear from me and is just going to absolutely love getting this email and it's going to make their day. If you go in with that attitude when you write, people are going to love your emails. As soon as you make an apology for your emails or make an apology for anything around how you did it, you are setting a tone of bleh, and no one is going to buy or interact with bleh, except for the wrong type of people. So we want to go in with like, get your mindset right. Go and listen to some empowering music. Like, you know, I'm like, I, you know, I don't know, like the, 
listen to the greatest showman or something like get it really excited like this is me you know like really build yourself up really rant, like you know you're gonna shoot the shot you're gonna do this I really want you to get your mindset right for this and assume that people are going to love hearing from you before you start writing because otherwise this shit's not going to work. So you have to get that right. The next thing is, is if you haven't emailed them in quite some time, don't come at it with, hey, you haven't heard from us anymore. Hey, we're really going to make a difference. I'm sorry you haven't heard from us a long time. Nah, just go in straight. Make the assumption that they haven't noticed that you haven't been emailing Make the assumption that they're just going to be excited to hear from you. Don't tell them you've got a game plan to email them because you know what? I have had so many of those emails and then I don't get another email. I don't get one. So we want more. We don't want to have that. Just go in and just be ballsy like nothing has ever happened. There's never been a break and you're just going to start emailing. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing is we have to change our way around seeing what a newsletter is. So a first few things. Don't, do not send out a newsletter and have it with a link to your blog. The blogs are not there for your email list. They already know about you. Your blogs are there for SEO and for people who don't know you anymore. That don't know you yet. That is what they're for. They are not for your email list. They already know you and they can get in contact with you anytime they want because they've already got your email address. So they don't need that. And it's such an old school way of doing your marketing. We don't want anyone to click off our email unless it's to get in touch with us, make a purchase or get something that moves them closer towards making a purchase and that blog ain't going to do it. If there's cool shit in the blog, take an excerpt of that and use it over across a series of emails and pad it out with maybe some more information or in-depth stuff that they can't get. Why would they go to a blog when they've got you in an email? So none of that crappy stuff. The same goes with video content. If you want to share a video, and you could, be really careful about thinking about the fact that when you link, they link off to that video, they've come off the page. They're not coming back. So if you put it in the middle of your of your newsletter, the minute they leave, they ain't coming back. So you can't put that there and then have a call to action further down. If you're going to link to a video that's got maybe some more intel, it's because you might have more visual learners or things like that, Put it at the bottom of the email after the call to action. So it's like a little extra. So that's the second thing. Make sure, as I said before, one core call to action and make about at least half, maybe even at least half of those non-salesy call to actions. Hit reply if you want to talk. Um, Tell me some advice around this. Give me your ideas and feedback tell some make some things that are not just salesy so people are more likely to open your email so I've got a bunch of different emails that you could do that could help with this um one of the things that you could do is in this really basic just like a really awesome hack a how-to or a hack that's really cool make it really valuable to them that's not something that's easier to find on your socials not a repeat not something that you've had on your social media this week that you're going to send out to them. This is, should be fresh to them first and then regurgitated for social media. They get your best work. So putting them as putting you as an expert, giving real value to subscribers and giving them value. And then ask them to hit reply if it helped or if it benefited or if it, if it was a new thing for them to do. It's a really good way to get engagement. You could also... 
um, do a bunch of like a question question and answer thing where you um, offer a couple of question and answers and then say that you've got a question and answer live session in your Facebook group on LinkedIn Live or or even just have a bunch of questions they could ask that you're going to answer in a future pot, a future email. Um, that can work really well. One of the things I did that's kind of like this, I've done it twice this year. Once in the year, I did a um, give us a, I think it was a give us a quote that has made a big impact on you. And then I shared the quotes and that was such a beautiful thing I had. I had from my list of say, that went out to two and a half thousand. I think I had over a hundred different quotes and then I chose about 30 of them and shared them in this um, in this email and both of those emails had really good feedback and engagement and it's a lovely way to share with your community and then I recently did that again uh, with a one good thing uh, because this year has been quite hard for lots of people where I asked people to share one good thing that's happened this year I filtered it all the ones that were salesy and again came back and had like a bunch of like one good thing things that had happened and it's just a nice way to build that community you could find a way to adjust that for your your business you might have a behind the scenes insight you might share a little bit about your daily routine your creative process your workspace something that's happening you could do a team profile and anything like that or a little bit about yourself or what's going on and it helps your audience connect with you on a more personal level and it helps them make you feel like you want them to be part of of your whole business life don't just save that stuff for your social media. Put this in your emails. It's such a lovely way to do that. I shared about my holiday. Last week I shared about the intruder we had. Um, so we had lots of different things like that. You might want to do a um, an exclusive discount or a freebie. Uh, one of the things that I want to do, I've got taken some time off in a couple of weeks, a couple of days off to work on this, is I want to start offering my email list some downloadable freebies that they're not getting offered publicly. I want to test it actually. So I've got a couple that I want to maybe use as lead magnets and I'm going to give them to this list first for them to kind of see what it's like. And it should be just like a nice extra. I'm also quite keen to start working on giving them content like this. So giving them like a portion of this podcast a little bit earlier and having that go out to people and thinking about ways that I can add value that is like secret source stuff that you only get to have in the emails, which I think is a really lovely way to do it. You might also want to show things around um, your processes around your work changes and things that are happening. And another great thing that you can do is share a customer, customer story. Um, sharing success stories or testimonials from your customers is a really lovely way to get that trust and building up and telling stories that they can enact with, they can interact with, and you can have those on a regular basis. What I recommend is having maybe every third email with a really strong call to action, every every third email, so one and three are really strong call to action, one that's a softer one that might be leading towards something that might be like a free course or a downloadable or a customer story with a hit reply or something like that, and then having one that's a totally non-salesy one. And so over three those three weeks, you've got basically that cycle and you could make it into a four-week cycle if you wanted to you could have a really strong call to action every second week and then one week uh, one week a freebie or a download or like a little added value thing and then one personable one it doesn't really matter what your your focus is but having some sort of structure around that is really important but sticking to one call to action at a time 
Um, I do find using ChatGPT for subject lines is great, but I find ChatGPT often also makes things very ChatGPT-ish. So what I will do is take a, a couple of phrases. I've got to ask for 10 options for a subject line. And then I will take maybe a couple of phrases that don't sound too ChatGPT-ish and put them together from that. And then I make that as my subject line because I have a subject line weakness. Make sure that you personalize your subject line with their name if you've got that in your CRM or email database. But really sit and do some things. We've got, you know, having something that's show, show your human side. You know, making sure that you're talking about your personal life. Not, not your like the nitty gritty, but share little elements of it. It could just be a weekend event. It could be something that's happened that week. It can be a client story. It can be something you're doing with work, a thought you've got, a learning. Another thing that I think is great is, you know, you could share um, books that you've read or a, a, a quote from an article. I've been listening to lots of podcasts at the moment and I share little bits around that and thoughts and reflections. I don't want you to link out to things as much as possible except for things that are going to hit reply to you or to buy. Like I think that's a really key thing. We don't want to distract them too much, but really use those. And one little hot tip, and this is one that I really like seeing and I don't do enough, but I'm trying to do more of, is you can use GIFs in your emails and they don't count as videos, they count as images. And it gives that beautiful movement on your um, emails as well that can really help people stay engaged with them. And if you really want to do a hot tip with this, if you've got a video that you want to send out to people, make a GIF of a little bit of it and then use that. So it's got a moving thing and they click through that and watch the rest of it. And that can be a really great way to build that video content in there onto your emails. But I want you, this is your action from today, I want you to create a little bit of an email plan. I want you to commit to doing at least a fortnightly, but I hate even saying that, at least a weekly, at least a weekly email. I want you to start thinking about batching these so you do a month at a time or six weeks at a time. I want you, before you do it, to ramp yourself up, listening to music, going, I'm the person they want to hear from. Like, really think about that. I want you to have a bit of a structure. I want you to focus on only having one clear call to action. So write what the call to action is going to be for each email before you start so you know exactly where you're heading. I want you to write an idea for a little story that you can use with that to do it. And it might be a customer story, a personal story, a hot tip. It could be um, asking them a question. It could be a freebie or a discount. Whatever the thing is, you put that in there as well. So you've got that as a little plan and then I want you to sit down and write all of those and schedule them in and then they're done. That's what I want you to do. And I want you to prioritize this over social media posting, please. Because once we look after our community and you start to see that people want to hear from you, you are going to have a far safer, bigger, more resilient business. Most of my sales this year have come from people who are already on my email list. And I look after that email list because every single person, if you're listening, you're precious to me. So precious to me. Whether you ever buy from me or not, I am so honored to have you on my email list. And I want you to think about your email list the same way. I have people who are on my email list who I get emails from who I know listened to me say this in the past and have changed things. And they would say, they would stand by me and say, Rachel's 100% accurate on this. Okay, I promise you. Now, a couple of things. You can always join my email list. I have one on the confidentcontentpodcast.com. You can join that one. I haven't done anything with that list yet, but I will. 
Um, I think there's about, and I'm such a hypocrite. I think I've joined you onto my master list anyway, but there's about, I think there's about 40 people on that little list. Um, so you can join up on that one and then you get like knowledge around these. I'm just getting organized with this. So um, you'll get like a little email every week saying, hey, this is out. I'm going to come and listen. Um, so there's that. The second thing is um, do become a part of my other community area, which is in the Mapit Marketing Facebook group. And you can ask questions in there. I don't offer free one-to-one support, uh, but I do offer support in by answering any any comments on my posts, but also in the Mapit Marketing group. If you ask a question in there, I will answer it for you and help you. Um, I don't offer free otherwise. And that's something I teach, by the way, for coaches is I don't do free sessions. Um, I only do paid sessions. Um, if someone wants to have a free session with me, it's because we're doing a check the fit and seeing if they're going to work with me. And I think those boundaries are very good and they work with me really well. But that's another topic. So um, you can do that. Um, I also have, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, I have a downloadable lead generation called The Marketing Fix, which has a whole bunch of five areas that you can work on. It's 38 pages or I think it's 28 or 38 pages. I don't know. I'm not so good with numbers, but you can get that. And I just want you to start thinking about email. If you want to ask questions about what email platforms you should be on, uh, we use Active Campaign. Uh, we are Active Campaign partners, so of course we would uh, use it ourselves. We also use Zoho with some of our clients because we're also Zoho partners. Um, and I often recommend if you've got an email list under a thousand that you use MailerLite. I'm personally not a Mailchimp fan. I know, shocking. Um, deliverability is not great on it um, but there are ways that you can improve deliverability and those are the platforms we normally recommend right I hope you have a great week and I hope that you're enjoying this podcast let me know please review it and share it with people that will help and I'll talk to you next week 